This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for August 5th, 2019. I'm wary of debating anti-vaxxers for a whole bunch of reasons, but in this show I'm talking to someone who isn't necessarily an anti-vaxxer, but thinks we shouldn't dismiss them out of hand. See what you think. Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Here's what we've got coming up for you in this podcast. I don't know if I said in the article that it is censorship. I think at one point I raised the question that if the, the article I wrote uh, which, which well, does well, let, not... me, let me put it further. They're under a moral duty not to allow their systems be used to propagate information which is untrue and harmful. Uh, the question of what is or isn't true is never finally determined. That's coming up in a minute. In fact, it's coming up almost right now because this is quite a long interview. I think it was worth keeping it all in. I didn't want to edit anything out. So I'm dropping the editorial at the start of the podcast so as not to take up too much of your time. On a Skype line now, I have Gotam Tejas Ganeshan. He's a musician and a blogger from the US. And I was reading one of the blog posts that you wrote for Medium.com, Gotam, about anti-vaxxers. And the title of the article was, Is There an Intelligible Anti-Vax Position? And I suppose my first question for you is, is there? Um, I think that there is. The answer to the question posed by the title of the article is the article. (laughs) And um, so, of course, I'd say right off the bat that I would encourage folks to read it uh, as as a... um, as an accessory to the conversation we're about to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll link to yes. it in the show notes. All right. Uh, great. Um, yes, I think there is. I think, uh, you know, in writing it, I was uh, attempting to do a number of things. Uh, one of them is to demonstrate that uh, that it's almost as if in the conversation, in the public conversation about this, it's as if there is a presumption fairly widely shared and fairly widely expressed that on the other side of the conversation, the the, the position of the anti-vaxxers, that it's mostly or all error, uh, anti-science, people who are uh, being duped by demagogues, uh, people who are misinformed. um, And that, that, um, that is a total summary of of what's there on that side. And I don't see it that way. And I saw myself as capable of articulating the position. Uh, And in so doing, I'm, I'm not, I don't see myself as an advocate, uh, except in as much as I want higher quality conversation. And I don't want uh, recriminations and accusations in place of considering the views of of other people because there's always value to be had in 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 taking something seriously and seeing what in it is um you know can can help one's own view even if you don't ultimately agree so 
So it, that's some of what my motivation was in uh, in doing what I did. Okay. Well, I tend to agree with you insofar as you're saying that it's always a good idea to coolly look at points of view, particularly ones that you don't hold yourself and to see is there reason or is there anything sensible that can be got out of that but mm. i would make the point obviously mm. you studied uh, philosophy and you're not a medical doctor and neither am i and i think that sometimes people who are in the liberal arts have a training in seeing both sides of an argument and saying on the one hand this and on the other hand that and they miss out a feature that exists in the sciences which is that the sun rises in the east and if somebody else comes along and says well in my opinion it rises in the north or the west they're just flat wrong and there are issues that exist whereby there's just no debating that is true, isn't it? There is definitely such a thing as being wrong. Uh, I I think that that's true. Um, I would say that there are different domains of discourse, and the um, the ability of a fact in a certain domain to be to have a truth value that's completely determinable varies, so mm-hmm. that it's more true in some. Uh, arenas of, 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 um, investigation that interpretation is, plays a large role in determining whether something's true or not. And in other arenas of investigation, interpretation is less relevant. And as you say, the sun I, I absolutely, I agree. I absolutely agree. And by the way, I should also say that perhaps people who are more grounded in the science field sometimes have a blind spot and want to have a black and white answer in uh, domains, as you put it, where such things don't exist and uh, shades of meaning are important. But yeah, medicine, st- but medicine, mm. Gautam, medicine is a science. And for mm, as long I as medicine push- has mm. been a science, human lifespans have increased in leaps and bounds. And the amount of well-being, the amount of good health during that lifespan has increased dramatically. And isn't it a little bit impertinent of someone who's coming from the, the, the humanities, from the liberal arts, to cross over and to say, well, maybe on the one hand, maybe on the other? It's just not true. In the last couple of centuries, our lifespans have doubled. Uh, I'm going to try and do as good of a job of, as I can of tracking the various threads here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I want to say in response to that is you say uh, that medicine is a science, full stop. Uh, I would push back on that. I would say that uh, medicine is a practice aimed at human health uh, uh, for which science is a um, is a v- very apt very powerful, very useful set of uh, tools for arriving at a certain type of truth that's relevant to the project of, of improving human health. But, but the practice of medicine involves uh, other things and requires decisions, for instance, by its practitioners, which sure, cannot yeah, be adjudicated definitively by, scientific question, by, by the answer to scientific questions. What should we do in situation X? Uh, is not uh, given an answer by what are all the facts in situation X. Pause, pause, on, that, also, pause on that, Gautam, Gautam, mm-hmm. pause on that for a second. Yes, you're correct. Science can never tell you what should you do. 
Mm. But having decided on your goal, science most certainly can tell you how to achieve it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I understand the thrust of, of that comment, and I agree with the thrust. Um, it, I, I wonder whether we should continue on that thread now for me to follow up. Should you, uh, yes. Than, uh, you think so? Absolutely, shoot. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, uh, so it might be presumed that uh, so we've differentiated within medicine the goal from the technique. And, yes. the, and the technique is the thing that science can definitively say, well, suppose you want to do X, this is how you do it, and we know the best practices, that's that. Um, uh, subject to, of course, the be best practices themselves being improved in their own domain. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, I am not sure that I would assert that the goal of medicine is a self-evident, simply statable thing. Absolutely, and that's, yeah. one of, that's one of the things that I bring up in the article. Um, uh, for instance, it might be, uh, um, one might say, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's simply true and uh, impossible to argue with that what we should do is reduce human suffering. And uh, I, 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 I would never make a big show of countering that because in the broad strokes, I agree. I definitely think we should do that. But to think that that suffices as a way to adjudicate every ethical dilemma is, I think, to be a bit short-sighted and to leave out some tools that we might need to decide some difficult questions. For example, as mm -hmm. I point out in the article, uh, what about the simple phrase, no pain, no gain? Uh, that presents a, a, another way of seeing life as a whole, where optimizing for the minimization of suffering is not complete. You also need to take into account long-term goals. And if a small degree of suffering in the short term uh, uh, is valuable in terms of the long term, then it's an acceptable cost. And the point of me saying that is simply to note that what the goals are are, the, are subject to their own debate. And it's not just a matter of it being an axiom that, okay, this is what we're trying to do. And all we need to do is figure out how best to do it. Also, there's also the question of, are we sure what we're trying to do and, and whatnot? So, so that's that. Um, sure. And yeah. let's, let's just, let me pause you on that for a second, because mm -hmm. of course, the goals are a far more difficult thing to decide in moral terms. But I think that you're, that maybe you're suffering from a bit of the Dunning-Krieger effect when you say that doctors, for example, don't take this into account. Doctors take this into account all the time. Doctors make decisions as to, as to, for example, a dying cancer patient, how much opiates they should give them and regularly give them enough to kill them with the dual effect of eliminating pain, but sometimes don't because they, for example, might be aware that a family member to whom both the dying person and the family member, it's very important that they see them before they die, is arriving but hasn't quite arrived. Doctors make very difficult decisions like that all the time. Are you maybe just not not being well enough informed on that? I uh, would definitely not uh, uh, aim to impugn the compassion of doctors 
uh, writ large or of the medical profession as an establishment at all. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that it that uh, the practice of medicine requires difficult decisions and doctors, generally speaking, are uh, address themselves to it with all of their tools, not only the the tools that come from medical training, but also their humanity and their uh, ethical positions. And they do have to make often trade-offs, as you say. One thing I would flag as a consequence of you bringing up that uh, way of considering this topic uh, is that is a case uh, or a few cases of individuals using individual knowledge to, to fulfill individual purposes, which would be uh, less able to be determined by a decision by remote control or by a bureaucratic intervention or conformity to a best practices mm -hmm. uh, from afar. And I would just note that the ethos there is something which is at odds with uh, a pronouncement uh, as a matter of, of, of uh, society-wide policy about what would be a universally applicable best practices medical uh, whatever, injunction. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to consider that uh, what you're speaking up for is that uh, there is a role for uh, decision making on the level of the individual case. Sure, of course. And that's what doctors do all the time. And you mentioned, and I think I have to say it's a little bit trite, you said no pain, no gain. Isn't it true that doctors every day of the week, for example, uh, maybe cancer doctors who are advising a patient who might be getting chemotherapy or radiotherapy saying that in your case, this is going to be very difficult treatment to take, but it will give you X chance of living Y more years. And in your case, that's probably worth it, but you can uh, make that decision yourself. And in some cases, they will, uh, they will guide a patient towards saying that uh, you will suffer a lot in order to get a very short amount of poor quality extra life and say that, you know, may not be what you want. Doctors make very sophisticated uh, decisions like that all the time. And of course, they're not perfect and may have improper motives as well. But to say something like no pain, no gain, that's very unsophisticated, isn't it? Um, well, as I've already said, I don't uh, take anything that I believe in general or that I articulated in the article in question to be a um, uh, an indictment of of individual doctors making decisions, I, I think I think it's a difficult thing, and and I I, I the case you describe here uh, happens all the time, of course. And I am not saying in saying no pain no gain that 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 is um um the the purpose obviously that that is a short pithy saying that cannot be taken to be a, a generalizable philosophy of life it's what mostly I'm, it's mostly I'm, well in 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 medicine it's mostly wrong because pain is an evolutionary signal to stop doing what you're doing and yet there are critiques of medicine that uh that think that the administration of painkillers are are overdone, and those critiques can be taken seriously as a corrective to uh, certain excesses in medicine. And so, all I'm all I'm doing in saying that is I'm complicating the presumption that the reduction of suffering, full stop, is the goal of medical intervention. I, I'm not saying that the alternative is the way it is uh, instead. 
I'm just saying that mm -hmm. neither one of those can be taken to be a the conclusion of our thinking about what the aims of medicine are. So uh, you use the word trite. Uh, sure, in itself, that statement is a kind of a you know, it's just it's 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 what you might find a, a gym rat saying to justify their uh, you know routine with the barbells. Sure, yeah. but uh, I think someone who encounters the way that I use that in the article would know that I'm would agree with me that I'm I'm not doing it as uh, to, to, in order to make a self-evident point, but rather to as one more way of thinking adduced to complicate a general uh, outlook. Okay, like okay. That. Pause pause with that for a second because we're getting a little bit off track. But I want to All go right. to a couple of things that you said in the article. One of which was about essentially the autonomy of parents and you talk and this is a, a relatively well-worn argument. I'm sure the listeners are well familiar with it. But one thing that you left out is that it's generally not parents who are the people getting immunized. It's their children. And Sure, there are some people, you know, there's a, there are a variety of motives within anti-vaxxers. But within that, there is certainly a very strong strain of people who are essentially narcissistically believing that uh, they have access to greater information or have a better power of understanding. And they're then making their children into the unwilling standard bearers of their movement and literally putting their lives at risk. That's not something that a parent is morally entitled to do, is it? This is a very relevant um, uh, uh, subtopic on, mm -hmm. on this. And I think, it, uh, I, think, I think the hackles that get raised by people... Um, as a consequence of considering this element of the phenomenon of anti-vax, uh, uh, the anti-vax position, mm -hmm. I think I, I I recognize the the moral force behind it. So I do address many of the things that you're bringing up directly in the paper. The first thing I'll do to respond is just state some of those. Uh, one is that uh, parents are not their children. That's true, but parenting involves all kinds of decisions on behalf of children that set children up in one way or another for their lives. Sure, absolutely, and, absolutely. And within that, parents normally have an enormous degree of uh, variability that they can choose from. They have uh, discretion in a huge amount of cases, in almost always. But once in a while, the state takes the view that it is entitled to intervene if the behavior of the parent is so egregious that it is clearly harming the child or if it's harmful to someone else in society. And refusal of vaccines, which are, which is a serious issue, can, could well be said to fall within that, that uh, definition. Um, I, I recognize that, and I think that's the reason for taking this topic seriously. Um, the question of what uh, power the state should have over the decision of parents. I mean, let, let's look at uh, another thing that parents could do or uh, decline to do that could have effects on their children, not only their children, but as a consequence of their children's behavior on society. And that's general antisocial uh, pathological behavior mm -hmm. that arises as a consequence of parents doing X, Y, or Z um, 
to their children. Now, one of the things that it's important to say about that is that it's very difficult to determine in advance, as any parent knows, what specific actions have what specific consequences in children's behavior. And one of the things that's relevant there is there's individual difference at play, there's dynamics at play, there's accidents of um, where the family is situated in its local society and what what effect that has on the difference between the kid's behavior and what other people expect and whether that has a negative consequence for others. Now, the question is, with respect to that domain of parental decision making, what would we say about uh, a, a, a board empowered by a, a state entity at any level that has uh, an enumerated best practices and if parents don't do those things, then the the that board has the power to say well that constitutes neglect or or whatnot and we have the power to intervene the mm -hmm. point i'm making is simply that there are gray areas uh now do i agree with you that there is <clears throat> such a thing as abuse and that the society at large has an interest in the individual child in addition to the parent's interest that may in some cases trump the parent's interest I do think that I agree with that, although I, I look forward to thinking about that more. But I would recognize in another an, another way of thinking about this is um, with respect to economic decisions. Uh, we have benefited, I'm sure you will agree, from a system of free enterprise, which essentially amounts to individuals using individual knowledge for individual purposes, and that uh, redounding to the benefit Within of constraints. society. Agreed. I agree with you that I am not a free market fundamentalist by any means. But what I'm pointing out is that uh, listeners would be able to recognize that that is a different ethos from one that says uh, we know what's best because we've we've decided on it as a as a matter of universal best practices. And if you don't do that, then we see fit to intervene. And sure, sure, but hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. This, mm, the okay. position that we have is that almost always the discretion of the parents is accepted, mm -hmm. except for a tiny number of cases. That's mm -hmm. the current position, and that has served us pretty well. So if somebody, say, for example, decides not to feed their child, they're going to have an, there's going to be an intervention by the state. Mm -hmm. But and I don't want to harp on that too much. I think we have mentioned it. But but mm -hmm. to go to another issue that you mentioned, and you talked about Google, Amazon, and various others removing in various ways anti-vaccine propaganda or, or conspiracy theories from their uh, from their uh, services. That's not the only thing that they've removed, but they have removed those things as okay. well. But hold on for there, a there's a There's a matter of collateral uh, damage. So there, there may well be, and there may well be, and collateral damage might be a, a good description of that, particularly because these are websites that have vast amounts of content which are not possible. It's not possible for them to be consistently reviewed by hand. And so they're going to do it by machine and there's going to be an error rate on that. And Correct. you said that this is censorship. And that's just not true. Amazon is not required to sell a book that it doesn't want to. And if Amazon takes the position that a, a book being sold on its platform is promoting untrue information, which is clearly harmful, then at a minimum, they're entitled to say, we're not going to carry that. Um, 
I agree that uh, free speech is not the same as free reach. I agree that private entities uh, have the right and the freedom to distribute what they would like to distribute. Um, I don't know if I said in the article that it is censorship. I think at one point I raised the question that if the, the article I wrote uh, which, which well, does well, let not... Me, let me put it further. They're under a moral duty not to allow their systems be used to propagate information which is untrue and harmful. Uh, the question of what is or isn't true is never finally determined. Yeah, uh, always... Yes, no, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That's, and now we're getting to the, the centre of the issue. That's true. Mm. Science is always... Knowledge is always provisional. It's our mm. best knowledge so far, and it can be revised. But if you take the position that we don't do anything until we've gotten to the final truth, then you never do anything. We work with the best address, information we have. I address that concern specifically in the article when I say, I af- and I think I'll quote myself, I say, I affirm that we know something instead of nothing, and that therefore doing something instead of doing nothing is justified. I in agree which with case, that. Amazon is justified in saying the best science available says that particular publications are untrue and harmful. We recognize that if we carry that information on our system, it is likely to be harmful to people. Therefore, we're not going to carry it. They have a moral duty to do that. As we've already discussed, uh, the question of what is or isn't the best science is not the total determinant of what should or shouldn't be discussed. Additionally, uh, the word censorship uh, may not be the best frame for this. The question is, uh, to my mind, should... uh, an entity, or uh, let me try and be um, precise. If, okay, you you say that the information, uh, uh, untrue information can be harmful. That's your claim. Uh, The question is, so we have a, uh, that, what follows from that claim is a social engineering objective, which is there's something people should think to be true because we think it's true. And so what we're going to do is we're going to change what the way we distribute information, I'm speaking as if I'm in an Amazon mm-hmm, board yep. meeting or something, uh, so that we ensure that the population believe a certain thing, which we think if everybody believed that thing, the results would be better rather than them, uh, rather than some people believing a thing, which we think is a thing that if they do believe that, it will be harmful. No, what no, 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 your characterization is, is incorrect because the we think okay. in there is incorrect. It is the established science. It is not It's not the we think. They, it's not the we think. Well, maybe it's not only that, but it is that. It is that they think that. And additionally, they think it because they defer to the general uh, peer review or, or what have you. So, so I, I just established science. Your claim that it's incorrect. It's just not sufficient. Now, when you, you're, you're, you say established science, um, there is – okay um, – this is an interesting conversation. Let me say that at this point. Uh, in my article, I don't do uh, an extensive review of scientific claims, especially not ones that are beyond the pale or that makes that make uh, uh, contra or, or that make claims that are unusual or or that um, you know a lot of what happens in yep. anti scientific. Instead, almost every 
statistic that I cite or fact that I claim comes from a source that's widely available and widely reputed. There's no alternative facts here. There's no conspiracy theory uh, in, in what I obviously within the anti-vax uh, movement, so to speak, in scare quotes, uh, at large, there is a lot of that. I acknowledge that for sure. But in what I write, there isn't that. So uh, my point in saying that at this point, in response to what you were saying, is mm -hmm. to say that uh, it's not a question of what the science is only. It's also a question of what reasoning about this, the science that we may agree on results in what decisions that we should make at the level of society and at the level of individuals. And the, 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 to me, the thing that is of concern with the Amazons, uh, look, uh, banning books is not a good look. Full stop. Amazon uh, has no power to ban a book. Um, okay. I take your point. I, I, your, your point is Amazon is, is not the be all end all. It's not a, a, a government enforcement. So therefore, it's not censorship. I agree with that. But what, let's ask it the question in a different way. What should Amazon do? I think they should allow open inquiry. That's what I think. Well, okay. I think we've reached a, 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 a conclusion or a, a clarified positions on that. But, and you said that you, you are not interested in promoting the, the scientific position, again, in square quotes, of anti-vaxxers. But you say, and this is one quotation of a sentence here, it says, it is certainly plausible that natural immunity from the, quotes, real illness has other points of advantage, so to speak, besides uh, only long, lasting longer in comparison with vaccine-induced immunity. Mm. Well, that's plausible, mm. but you're not saying which vaccine that you're talking about. And that seemed to me to be classic anti-vaxxer logic that you throw out a statement of something could be true, and it could be true because you haven't bothered to read the scientific literature on that. When people develop vaccines, there is intensive investigation as to whether the administration of the vaccine delivers a better result than not delivering it. Um... One of the first things I say in the article is that I do not assert that vaccines, quote, don't work. I don't believe that. I do believe they do what they say they do. I do agree with you that they are uh, thoroughly investigated. And I think there's a vast literature. Well, no, Robert, you're of saying it's plausible that and then you repeat a vaccine, an anti-vax talking point. That's a plausible uh, well, thing, but that has nothing. No, no, that has nothing. That has no back up. It is plausible that there lives a race of uh, purple midgets under the surface of Pluto. But it's probably not true, and we don't believe it, not because it's plausible or implausible, we don't believe it because we don't have any evidence to the, that it's the case. And without any evidence, it's just irresponsible to say that it is plausible that well, getting the disease is better than... Are not this, plausible and possible are not the same thing. I, about the purple midgets, I would say... Uh, I wouldn't use the word plausible for that. I, I would say it, it doesn't follow from, you know, in that no, no, sentence. But you're making, that you no, 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 but the, the assertion is the, the maybe, comparison, maybe the comparison, the comparison is point. exact. The comparison is exact because you're making a suggestion that something may be true without any evidence whatsoever. Hmm. Well, uh, what I'm saying in that sentence that you quote is that uh, the difference in outcome between lifelong immunity and uh, immunity that requires a booster is one point of advantage between what I call in that sentence, 
uh, natural immunity, although I'm not very comfortable with that phrase necessarily, but anyway, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so in recognition of that single point of advantage, I state that it might be true that there are other points of advantage. And now what you are saying is you deny that there are but any It might other be true that there are purple midgets under the surface of Pluto, but without evidence, neither of us are getting anywhere by making that claim. Well, in one article, I, I don't claim that I have stated all the evidence, but uh, I do address some other points of advantage uh, at, at later points. For instance, uh, there seems to be some evidence uh, that contracting wild pertussis puts you at a lower risk for asthma. So that's another point of advantage, and that is documented by some research. Uh, so that's I don't know. I mean, uh, that's but, but that a, research that's is just... available. That research, and neither of us are doctors, but that research is available to anyone assessing the benefit and the co the cost benefit analysis of giving a vaccine. And True. if I was getting on a plane and the guy beside me, several beers later, uh, drool through his drool, said that this pilot didn't know how to fly the plane. He was a much better at flying the plane than the pilot. It might be true, but I can tell you, I want the pilot flying the plane. And somebody just idly speculating that the pilot might be wrong doesn't reassure me at all. I want the pilot flying the plane. And neither of us are qualified to assess the medical evidence. But we can look at the outcomes. And in the US, there have been minor outbreaks, for examples of measles, where there have been low uptakes of the measles vaccine. But there are other places that are ahead of that. And for example, in Romania and in Ukraine, there have been anti-vaccine campaigns that have been more virulent and more successful in depressing the vaccination rate. In the past 18 months, there are 40 children dead from measles in Romania and a similar number in the Ukraine. And you don't need to be able to read or write scientific papers to count children's coffins, do you? Um, uh, the answer to that question is no, I okay, suppose. And for years uh, you, and years you, previously, there have been no deaths, well, uh, zero deaths you, from measles. Hmm. Uh, you've said a lot. I wonder, uh, as a question of priorities for the interview, mm -hmm. uh, what what should be my way of responding? Should we go into the things you said individually? Because at the end, you asked a question to which there was a simple answer. But is that what you want out of me? Or do you want me to... Clearly, the, clearly the question was rhetorical. But my point is that it's true, isn't it, that... This is an exceptionally expert field. It's actually an awful lot more expert than pilots. You can train to be a pilot in about two or three years. To be an immunologist, it's at least 12 years. There's a huge amount of information there. Isn't it a bit narcissistic of the anti-vaxxers at a minimum, and maybe you're coming close to that line as well, to think that a bit of internet research can qualify you better than somebody who's spent years and years of their life uh, studying a topic? Um, I will first note your use throughout this conversation of the words, one, narcissistic, two, trite, three, Dunning-Kruger effect, and just point out that one of the things I call for in the article is civility and the uh, the uh, treatment of the perspectives of others with uh, a matter of um, charity and 
care. Now, I understand that you're motivated by uh, the fact that there are impacts to ideas and having the right ideas can be uh, effective towards goals that we all share. And so it's important to be forceful. So I so mm-hmm. I just wanted to flag flag that. Now, mm-hmm. another thing um, you say that uh, I think you use the phrase idly speculating. Uh, I think that anybody who reads the article would uh, be hard pressed to assert of me that what I'm doing in the article is idle speculation. I think I do more than that. And no, I and I, I wouldn't accuse you of that in the article in general. But in that particular case, that that is pretty much idle speculation. And well, I'm not suggesting it's, it's earlier, as malicious uh, as that of uh, of anti-vaxxers. But but saying there could well be other advantages to getting the disease and not having the not having the vaccine. Uh, but we did. Uh, I did adduce at least one other uh, example of that being the case, uh, according to some research. But the total, so, so, but that so that's been, not no, come idle on, come speculation. Come on, come on. That has been that has been that has been uh, studied to death by people who know how to do that, and they've arrived at the conclusion that there's a dramatic uh, advantage to having the vaccine and not the disease. Um, okay. So again, there are a lot of loose threads here, but I, I, the question of expertise is is what you finished with at the, at the end of the previous uh, salvo, I might mm-hmm. call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I addressed that in the article. And the, the, the question is this, uh, specialization is, uh, is one of the conditions of expertise because of limited time in life and the fact that to be really good at something, you have to focus on it. And that's a good thing. We benefit from people's expertise and I, I acknowledge expertise. The question is, though, when it comes to making decisions about something, as we've already discussed uh, quite a bit, there's not a single frame of reference that suffices to completely determine what should be the answer to something. And as a consequence of that being true, there's not a, such a thing as an expert a pan expert, an expert universally on everything. Mm -hmm. We have experts about epidemiology and they have studied what they study and they know a lot, Uh, but they are not experts on policy and they're not experts on individual difference or moral reasoning or what have you. So uh, we have to have a conversation that involves all of those kinds of expertise. And also you've brought up at certain times the, the not only expertise in itself, but also accreditation. Uh, You know, you said, I think we're not qualified. We're not doctors. Uh, okay, but as I point out in the article, one upshot of that is that also means we don't have professional bias and we also haven't been trained into a, a, a particular point of view. There can be advantages that come from having a, an outsider perspective, one. And two, uh, the, the, the advantage of the generalist, uh, Neil Postman has a phrase that's memorable, the specialist as ignoramus. And uh, I, I don't assert that there's no such thing as, as expertise by any means. I, I think there is. But uh, questions about what we should do as a society never uh, come. There's, there's no expert on that. It always is a question of, well, there's various things. We have to trade yes. off between them. Um, and so I, I, I am not claiming uh, to be an expert myself. Uh, what I'm claiming to – the, 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 my arguments stand on their own. Regardless of the source, regardless of my authority or non-authority, and uh, so so the question of like I'm uh, you know who which one of us is capable of well it doesn't matter I I, I mean it, it the question is the 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 uh, the. The force I, I agree, Grant. I, I I agree. I agree with with that point. Actually, I agree with that entirely. That the expert 
cannot make the moral decision. The expert who is expert in deciding how to do something cannot make the moral decision, cannot necessarily make the moral decision of whether it should be done. Hmm. But the expert must be allowed to make the decision of if it's to be done, how it's to be done. That for, so that's um, where wider society, yeah. and you're right, wider, pe- you know, people who have a, a, who are a generalist, who, who have broad training, who have uh, perhaps a, a philosophical outlook, can absolutely make a decision, but it must be informed by the facts. And, mm. and my criticism above all else of the anti-vax movement would be that they have fatally confused the morality and the facts of it. And they've essentially said, I believe it is right and moral that the sun should rise in the north. Therefore, it must be true. There are are elements that I would, I mean, I'm not going to accuse you of that wholesale, but I think there are elements of where you have, particularly where you say it's plausible that there are other advantages of getting, having the real illness. People have studied that in great detail and have concluded that the health outcomes from getting the vaccine are drastically better than those for not getting the vaccine. And I'm not diminishing the role of the generalist or diminishing the role of the ought, but you cannot completely overthrow the facts with that. Hmm. Well, um, I don't do that. And we've already discussed the, the, a bit the, this question of that line and the plausibility and, and, and what mm-hmm. that might mean. I, I guess what I would say further is um, facts are not simply lying about in the world for you to go pick up and, uh, and, and then, you know, and once you do, they're there and they're true. Mm-hmm. It's always a question of um, – it's not always a question of interpretation, but it is always a question of uh, – Encountering the world with a motive and, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think William Blake says that reason is the outer circumference of energy. And it's like there's something motivating your uh, your rationality and giving it substance. Now, that's not to say that what outer circumference means something. It means that it strikes down certain things that you're motivated to do as things you shouldn't do. That's true. But I guess what I just want to point out is that uh, there's a there's a vast landscape of facts, all of which may be true. And yet uh, there can be different motivations to select among them to make a case or to rationalize certain things or to reason in a certain way. And so uh, when you say, uh, you know, isn't there uh, once we decide what we should do, isn't there a clear set of facts that that are brought to bear on it? Well, there are many such sets of facts. Uh, some of which are facts of ethical reasoning, some of which are facts of epidemiology, some of which are facts about uh, the results of applying uh, a principle of healthcare uh, universally, uh, despite differences in individuals, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think, I, I think that you are uh, advocating that there is a consensus and the consensus is arrived at by a robust scientific process. And to deny that or to not consider that to be relevant is uh, some kind of a dereliction and it's dangerous. And what I would say to that is there's always a role for people to question that consensus. And that questioning is essentially what science is. Uh, and just taking, you know, 
that something has been determined by that process and um, is, it, you know, it's as if, okay, we're done with that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess what I would say about that in, in this case with respect to this topic is why don't people read what I wrote and see if it contains anything they haven't seen before? And well, we'll, we'll, true, link, we'll link to it in the show notes then, Gautam. Gautam Tejas mm. Ganeshan, thank you very much for talking to me. All right. Thank you. I, I appreciated the interview. And I think your curiosity and your thinking are valuable. Never miss a show. You can subscribe to the podcast for free using iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or any other podcast software or app. See challengingopinions.com backslash subscribe for details. Go to the website for sources and links to what we were talking about. And while you're there, please like the show on Facebook, follow at ChallengingO on Twitter, and get in touch with me if you can suggest a guest or a topic for a future show. And thanks to everyone who's signed up as a patron on Patreon so far. I really appreciate you. It means I can devote more time to research and finding interesting guests. And if you could do the same as them and donate a buck or two per podcast or per month, you'll find a link on the website. Also, you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast for free on your computer, on your phone or by email. It's all at www.changingopinions.com. Coming up next Monday, that's August 12th, I'll be talking to the writer and journalist Rhys Ehrlich about his latest book on Iran. The Changing Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening. Thank you.